0: is, as a volunteer, does the sense of being of service play a role for you? And if so, how would you understand being of service? What is being of service? And thirdly, third question is, in being a volunteer, being of service, what are some of the challenges which arise? And the fourth question is really an invitation to a reflection. (coughs) Bring to mind a story from your own experience coming from your volunteer work in which you learn something important about being of service, helping others, however you talk about it. So the last one is to uh, bring to mind a story from your own experience about uh, when you learn something important in relationship to uh, being a volunteer. So for anyone whom I haven't met, my name is uh, Donald Rothberg. I'm one of the uh, teachers here. And how many are meeting me for the first time? Okay. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of familiar faces. And uh, what I have in mind for today, uh, first of all, this is really to, um, mm-hmm. to honor and appreciate all of what you do and I was um, just coming down from the upper area and I, I talked with, um, was talking with Betsy some of you know is one of the uh, main uh, persons in housekeeping, one of the staff people and she said just tell them how much we love and appreciate them <laughs> <laughs> and I think there is that, that feeling that, that uh, I think it's great that we're having this time, which is really a time to uh, appreciate um, just all that you do to support this happening. And I'll just um, reflect that uh, I had the uh, privilege, really, to be on retreat, um, as did Marty, who's sitting across from me, the whole month of March. Was anyone else on the whole month of March? Anyone in February? Anyone on a recent retreat? Okay, recent can go back um, three years. <laughs> okay, very good. And um, we were reflecting that the level of support for practice here is very high, and it's a very special place, whether it's the support of the teachers or the staff or the land or the uh, container. You know, it's, it's a magical place, and... To be uh, instrumental, as you are, for helping it to reach the level of um, care and quality that's, that's here is uh, invaluable. So very much appreciated. So that's, that's a starting point. <laughs> and so what, uh, uh, what I was invited to do today was to talk some about the theme of uh, service and um, have some discussion. And then we also have uh, snacks and time just for being together. And so I th- what I thought I'd do would be to talk, maybe with the time where it is now, maybe 20-25 minutes and have about 15-20 or 20 minutes for talking together uh, in the group. And then we could be more informal for a while. So probably we'll go for the snacks. but. There's no rule that you can't have a snack now, is there? No. no, no. <laughs> or a drink. Okay, so it can be on the informal side. There's different kinds of lemonade and different things there. Um, so I thought first uh, just it'd be great just to do a very brief go-round. If you can just say your name and where you live, that would be wonderful. Just so, and then, because like, I imagine, you know, uh, how many people know more than five people here, okay? So we mostly don't, we know a few people, but mostly not others. So let's um, let's just start uh, and just go around fairly quickly. So my name's uh, Donald, I live in Berkeley.
1: I'm Mariah, and I'm the volunteer coordinator, in case you don't know that, and I live in San Rafael. I'm Kim, I live in Sebastopol. I'm Dahlia, and I live in Woodacre. I'm Taylor, I'm staying in Point Richmond.
2: I'm Lori, and I live in Puerto Madero.
1: I'm Adrian, and I live in
2: San Rafael. I'm Naomi, I live in San Francisco. I'm Margaret, I live in Mill Valley.
3: Jeff from San Rafael.
2: Amy from San
4: <coughs>
1: Melanie from Lafayette. Bradley from
5: Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Kala from the Peninsula, today I'm coming from Berkeley. Carol from San Rafael, Jane from Woodacre,
1: Bill from San Rafael,
5: Marty from Katadi,
6: Bernice from Petaluma, Isabella from Oakland, and um,
5: mm-hmm.
3: I'm Ellie. I live in Seoul. Now I am uh, visiting. <laughs> oh,
6: that's Korea.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, Virginia, San Francisco. Svetlana from Ronald Park.
2: Betsy from Fairfax. Michelle Katati,
6: Zoe from San
2: Rafael.
5: Anne Fairfax, Elizabeth uh, San Anselmo, Tony Greenberg,
3: Abby from San Anselmo, Jerry from San Francisco,
0: Ray from Hercules. Yeah. So welcome. Wonderful to have arranged this and for everyone to come. So I thought I'd just start by um, talking a little bit about service and service as a path. Uh, if you ha- if you uh, when you reflected, uh, how would you think about uh, the idea of service, or if you have an associated concept, if you could s- say what it- what does that mean for you, maybe in two or three or four words? Anyone like to speak, and I'll repeat them. Adrian. Um, what I
1: learned that service meant is uh, to say yes, mm-hmm. to And to become, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually. I have to say a couple words. I actually, you know, I've lived and worked in El Salvador for four years in a a Catholic parish, and they talked a lot about service, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of part of a liberation theology thing, but that service is a, 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 that you are called to service, Mm -hmm. and the the trick is to say yes.
0: To say, so to say yes, and what was the second thing you said? To say yes, and... To to say yes and to be humble. So, other, please. I, I think service for me is
3: listening with, without any attachments and judgments and to uplift somebody's spirit
0: that moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lith- listening without judgment and attachment and to uplift someone else's spirit. Beautiful. Yeah, to let your inner being radiate for others and for everything, yeah. Please. I
6: notice that it gets me out of my
0: ego and my my own problems and my heart. Yeah, so something that takes me out of my own um, self-centeredness and more into my heart, yeah. Please. To let that person have a sense of being the most important when one talks to that person, yeah. Great. Um, to
4: give of yourself so that others can better receive.
0: Yeah. To give of oneself so that others can better receive, yeah. Well, I think, I think I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'll just let, let you talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. A few more, please. Mm-hmm. A way of giving back. Act of generosity, giving back. Yeah, beautiful. To
1: to receive so others
0: can give. To receive so others can give, yeah. yeah. So seeing the way that sometimes it's unclear who's giving and who's receiving. Mm-hmm. Right. Please, Jeff.
3: Placing your energy into a place that uh, will benefit from that energy.
0: Yeah giving your energy to a place or that will benefit, yeah. Um, Please, Mark. It's
2: part of really being part of the community. Mm -hmm. People have to be giving and serving
0: for a community, vital. Yeah, to be part of a community requires that sense of service. Giving, receiving is all of what it's about, yeah. Uh, Was there someone over here? Okay, maybe one or two more. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's come back to that one, okay? Okay, come back to the question of karma and um, some sense of um, the rhythms of <coughs> giving and receiving. Okay. And that gives me the appreciation for people who Yeah, some of the mysterious aspects of giving and receiving. Okay, if I don't come back to that uh, adequately, bring it up again. Okay. Okay, one other one or two more? Marty, please.
1: Uh, being part of the whole flow.
0: Of, yeah.
1: I mean, it's just saying pretty much what everybody's already been saying, but being part of the giving and receiving flow that is is
0: is life, actually. Yeah. It's it's, it's really living. <laughs> being part of that uh, flow of giving and receiving, which is one way of. Very basically talking about life. Yeah. Okay, anyone else? So as volunteers we may be um, energized by a sense of service. We may not use that concept. We may have our own way of understanding uh, our motivation, our intentions. Um, and I don't think service is a particularly uh, Buddhist concept per se, but there but there's definitely a sense of uh, important sense of uh, what can translate uh, from service could be service, helping others, um, being of use, um, acting for the benefit of others. Uh, some of those latter expressions are more Buddhist tradition, but it's pretty striking how we find something like a sense of service in, uh, I think, all, all traditions, in so many spiritual traditions, understood differently. And that something like an active life of giving and receiving, of helping others, is understood in many traditions as actually constituting a very coherent uh, uh, spiritual path by which the core qualities that we might want to develop in a spiritual path, love, wisdom, understanding, generosity, courage, and so forth, are developed. And so we have, uh, you know, as was mentioned, I think, by Adrian, in Christian tradition, we have, uh, we do have a very clear sense of service, and that, that may be the tradition where service is used most centrally, you know, the notion of the suffering servant. and the notion of the one who helps and um, you know and I've had uh, students who've been part of for example Catholic groups in cities where groups would gather together and understand that they were doing a servant training and were in service and would understand that as a very coherent path of practice and in uh, Hindu tradition as probably uh, many of us know, uh, there there's an understanding, uh, a traditional understanding of there being four <coughs> paths for spiritual practice. You know, one of them is the path of knowledge, uh, jnana yoga. Another is the path of uh, meditation, uh, which is uh, raja yoga, and uh, another is the a uh, path of devotion, which is bhakti-yoga. And these are th- these are separated in that traditional understanding, and probably they're more interwoven. And there's also a, a fourth path, which is the path of karma-yoga. Karma simply means action. You know, karma literally means action. And so this is... have and, and yoga means a way of connecting with the divine. Yoga is related to the words meaning yoke. Or connecting, and so karma yoga is using uh, service and action uh, with others as the way to come to the sacred. And so it's a very coherent pra- pra- uh, path. Uh, Gandhi took his own path as karma yoga, and many in that tradition speak of karma yoga. You know, in um, Jewish tradition, there are also parallel. Uh, features, you know, and I'm thinking that uh, here we're at the time of Passover, which is very much uh, a holiday about uh, dedication to uh, overcoming oppression and bondage and the movement to liberation. And so very much a sense of serving others, helping others who are in bondage, including uh, oneself. So this is from uh, this is from the uh, Talmud from probably 2,000 years ago. There's a story of Rabbi Hillel who lived around the time of Jesus. A pagan came to him saying that he would convert to Judaism if uh, Hillel could teach him the whole of the Torah in the time he could stand on one foot. <laughs> <laughs> Drama. <laughs> Rabbi Hillel replied, what is hateful to yourself do not do to your fellow humans. That is the whole Torah. The rest is just commentary. Go and study it. (laughs) And I think there was a conversion. (laughs) And then in the Buddhist tradition, we particularly have a sense that's there in uh, Theravada tradition, which is the lineage that we follow here, but also probably more prominently in Mahayana, which is the tradition of the Bodhisattva. The bodhisattva is one who both seeks awakening, but does so for the sake of others. You know, so that helping of others is intertwined with, uh, with one's own inner work, and there are various qualities that one develops. And probably many of you have studied the path of the bodhisattva. There's wonderful literature, wonderful texts, and one typically develops uh, a series of qualities uh, called the paramis. Sylvia Boorstein uh, did a whole book on these qualities, which are the path that one develops. Uh, she called it "Pay Attention for Goodness Sake." <laughs> so, and uh, you know, and it, it starts actually with generosity. It's the first, and it goes through being ethical, being mindful, equanimity loving-kindness, and so forth. And there, there are ten of them. And one develops these qualities. In the Zen tradition, many of you probably know, there's the, there's the saying, living beings are infinite, I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to cut through them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. The Buddha way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it. And people would repeat that every day. You know, and so you may even find, if you're called to a sense of service, you may develop your own vow that you, that you make every day, you know. It could be very simple, you know. I intend to um, awaken and help others awaken. Something as simple as that. So we have the bodhisattva uh, tradition and these actually point to very coherent, fully developed ways that we can take our helping others and helping in the community as a path of practice. And typically, they would identify certain qualities to be developed and certain challenges that come with the path. That's what a, really what a path is. You know, a path is like, a, it's a metaphor, but a path is what? It's a kind of a clearing where before there was no path and there were just bushes and brambles and you couldn't really go in the direction you wanted to go because there's just stuff in the way. And a path actually makes a clearing and lets us go in the direction we want to go. And then lets us uh, be able to have that clarity of intention. And it looks like there's a chair right over here. And there's, yeah, as well as there. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And so we, um, so in, in reflecting, on uh, service, and maybe even in your volunteer work, you can reflect on what are the core qualities that I want to develop. And of course, you know, we can develop these in our service and in our practice. Because I think for me, what uh, I think for many, what characterizes a path of service as a spiritual path is that we combine inner practices with outer expression. And we learn ways to bring those inner practices into outer expression. Which is challenging because I think even here, the main way we teach our practices is primarily as inner practices. So there's a lot of room for saying, how do I translate mindfulness, for example, into being in the middle of action? It's not easy, right? Mindfulness isn't just for the cushion. So how do I do that? How do I uh, bring wisdom into my interactions and my helping? How do I uh, bring generosity? Maybe there it's clearer. Some things maybe are clearer. Um, How do I operate in the world and stay connected to my compassion and my loving kindness? So these are the kind of questions that we would ask following a path of practice. You know, and... Maybe, you know, part of my hope is to uh, energize our own sense of a path so maybe that it comes to a little more clarity or consciousness or we can talk with each other about it. Maybe it's happening a lot already. <laughs> you know? um, and so we identify certain qualities. And when you, let me ask some further questions of you, when, when in your um, work as a volunteer, and some of this has already been named what qualities do you think that are being developed as you are a volunteer and you could just speak out just like one word what what qualities or capacities what generosity generosity right joy joy
4: patience
0: patience yeah
4: mm-hmm.
0: mindfulness mindfulness
5: yeah
0: humility what humility humility yeah Responsibility, friendliness. friendliness, which which is actually the deeper meaning of metta. Not the deeper meaning; it's the literal meaning. Loving kindness is a Victorian-era translation that is not literal. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, loving kindness, the word that we, uh, the word for that metta, it is better translated as uh, expansive friendliness. A friendliness that keeps getting larger. So, friendliness. What else? What other qualities do you feel getting developed as you are a volunteer? Sense of purpose. Purpose. Clarity of intention, maybe, yeah. Sturdiness. Sturdiness, yeah.
2: Organization.
0: Organization, yeah. So, some skills in that way, yeah. Non-attachment to outcome. (laughs) (laughs) Non-attachment. Non-attachment to outcome, which, when I did a book on the called The Engaged Spiritual Life, the ultimate chapter was called, uh, what was it called? Um, committed Action, Non-Attachment to Outcome. It's a very, very deep teaching. I kept it at the end of the book. <laughs> and and so, and, uh, when I was... Uh, you know, I was thinking of my friend, Diana Winston, who's also a Spirit Rock teacher. She had another expression of that, which she found working with teenagers, because we were working with the concept of uh, not knowing, which is kind of related to sometimes to <laughs> non-attachment to outcome. Because what is going on? I don't know. Is it working? I don't know. And, and we worked with the teenagers, she worked with the teenagers, and gave them the notion of not knowing. And they said, well, that's incomplete. You have to have uh, not knowing, but keep going. <laughs> 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 so, so we have that non, but non attachment to outcome is a big one, right? Mm-hmm. Others. Flexibility. Flexibility.
3: Improvement.
0: Improvement, yeah. <laughs> like developing in, in the capacities, noticing growth, yeah. Responsiveness. Responsiveness, yeah. Some of you know the story of the, I think, 10th century Zen teacher who was asked, what is the nature of enlightenment? Uh, (laughs) 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 He was asked, what's the nature of enlightenment? And the students waited for his answer. And you could have imagined some amazing metaphysical answer about the interpenetration of inner and outer and the radiance of Cosmic wisdom, but he didn't say that. He he said um, the nature of enlightenment is appropriate response, mm. but very much like your like your answer, like your response. So that responsiveness, yeah. Other maybe a few more other qualities we develop.
5: Appreciation.
0: Appreciation, yeah. sincerity. Yeah. I noticed that I become less um, of a complainer. <laughs> less of a com- less of a complainer and it was very much like some of the earlier comments that we move out of that self-centered place. You know. Attik Han used to say that in helping others and he was particularly thinking of the time of the Vietnam War when he was helping with, you know, really connect inner work with responsiveness to the situation there. And he said, it's very hard when you're really helping others to get too preoccupied with your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Very interesting, isn't it? It's very, so it's a way to actually get perspective on all that. Very interesting. So these are all the qualities that if we develop all these qualitative qualities and keep developing them, it's a, you can see how it really is a path of practice, right? Mm -hmm. And that these qualities are, we could say, awakened qualities. We can see how that goes in that direction. And we also know that there are challenges, right? We mentioned maybe they're the converse of some of the qualities, right? Attachment outcome. (laughs) (laughs) Or someone mentioned patience, impatience. Or lack of responsiveness. <laughs> what are some of the other challenges that you find here in this in, the, in your work as a volunteer, or maybe more generally, in helping others?
4: Doing unpleasant tasks.
0: Doing tasks which are unpleasant to you. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Judging others who yeah. you're working
0: with. Judging others who you're working with, or maybe judging oneself, or being judged by others. Or mm-hmm. everyone judging everything.
5: Including <laughs> <laughs> the outcome. What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Working uh, with my own limitations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being with my own limitations and um, coming up against them.
5: And the feeling that I still don't do enough.
0: Yeah, I don't do enough. Yeah, having some frustration or what, what would we say? Um, some mm-hmm. nagging nagging comments, inadequacy, personal, or lack of thinking I don't have quite the right skills, or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's
3: respecting somebody's boundaries, either you're helping someone, it's, um,
0: I usually say, I would like to know about you as much as you want me to know. Yeah. Yeah, and so, we would be more, if we're doing that, we could be more skillful with boundaries, and so, one of the challenges would be issues with boundaries, right? Yeah, I learned the lesson when I wanted to help yeah. because I knew a little bit more. And the person, she was not... She, this is not what she was looking for. Interesting, yeah. So... so, actually... I doing her a favor, but she ended not being offended by it. Yeah. So I learned... Mismatch of giving and receiving. <laughs> 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 yeah. Maybe one or two more?
6: Wanting it to be
0: different. Yeah, wanting it to be different, wanting, yeah. So, again, when we, when we look to, we can look to these kind of uh, capacities we're developing, look to the challenges we work with, and I think we need more um, work actually to really clarify this path of service in this particular tradition. In some traditions it's well-defined, I think, maybe in the Christian tradition, Hindu tradition, but I think to really have a sense of how we keep developing these qualities, not just a little bit, but a lot. How we can really take uh, our our, um, helping others as a deep path, not just uh, not just token, you know, and something I personally have been interested in and wanted to particularly develop a few of the components, so some of the areas that I teach a lot on are uh, working with the judgmental mind, as many of you know, and I I actually have done trainings for activists who um, have occasionally been known to be judgmental. (laughs) (laughs) And I've also been very interested in speech practice, as many of you know, which is really crucial for all this. How do I speak skillfully? and have also um, uh, focused a lot on working, working in a wise way with conflict, interpersonal conflict, or even inner conflict. And um, you know, some of my work over the last 20 years has been to develop training programs for people doing service and social action, which have been from six months to two years in duration. And You know, I'm thinking about doing that again here. The last one I did was a few years ago. It ended. It was a two-year program. Um, It was called The Path of Engagement. It was a two-year program. Um, So let me end. I found a really beautiful quotation which talks about the stages of the path. Let me end with that quotation. Then we'll open it up to whatever might have been sparked or anywhere else you want to go. Maybe come back to your question of the mystery and karma. So let me... Let me end with, uh, I think this is a a quotation I found from uh, Ramdas, who used to live in this area and uh, he talks about the path of action. He says, in pursuing the path of action I have begun to see recognizable stages in the transformative process. At first I saw myself as a separate entity full of needs and desires. My identity with these desires left me very attached to the fruits of my actions and thus willing to manipulate things and people as if they were objects to realize my goals. Then with just a little awakening I saw that the desires were unending and even the gratification of them was leaving me in an unsatisfactory alienated state. I saw that I would always be dissatisfied as long as I was caught up in my desires and that under these conditions my actions could not express the highest level of compassion. As I understood my predicament more clearly, (laughs) the desire for liberation started to supplant other desires. This was the beginning of the path of action. Through mindfulness training, I began to cultivate the part of me that was not identified with the desires. Desires arose and passed by with little clinging on my part to them. During this period, my aversions and attractions born of desires became painfully apparent. At first, I was hard on myself for being so caught. With time, however, compassion towards myself began to develop, and I was able simply to note the arising of attraction and aversion. The ability to witness my reaction increased. A quality of equanimity began to arise. I also noticed that each time an action was carried out, even partially selflessly, it strengthened an identity with some force greater than myself and helped to uh, free me from thinking of myself as separate. Now I notice two things developing simultaneously. The first is an impersonality in my actions, almost as if someone else were performing them. There is a sense of my being an instrument of some compassionate force, or mind deeper or higher than my own separate mind. It is difficult to describe. The other emerging quality is an intensification of the love that permeates actions. The universe of forms be, has been increasingly imbued with radiance, an awesome, often bitter seat quality that makes each of my actions in the world feel like an act of devotion. I am often surprised by the feeling of love for other people, animals, and the earth that arises often when I least expect it. This feeling of treasuring other beings and serving them as the beloved makes me want to perform my my acts even more skillfully, making each act an offering of beauty. Maybe I can send that to you, if you'd like. I like that one. Isn't that cool? (laughs) So let me end there and just open this up to whatever comments, questions, reflections you'd have. And we can let that then... uh, Stay with this for a while, and then we can um, have it become more informal with, with our, um, our snacks. So thoughts, questions, comments? Please, Question. Abby. Um,
2: yeah. I know that I'm
4: very interested in this quotation, and especially the idea of yeah. of moving from a greater awareness of, of compassion. Yeah. That, that's really kind of a constant um, aspiration that yeah. I have. And so, what would you suggest in your experience working with activists? And you know, maybe all of us—we're all, you know, eager to yeah. go, and we're obviously in the volunteer program, um, so that so that we can realize the true path of service through compassionate action. Mm-hmm. Does that?
0: Sound, yeah. Do you understand yeah. That so, a question of how to, what to do, how to approach strengthening the capacity for compassionate action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say one or two things, and I think we probably have a lot of responses here as well. We can, can open it up. Um, so, of course, one's own inner practices can play a large role. You know, we have a, a, a great toolbox of what I uh, and colleagues often call heart practices that can be very helpful in doing retreats, you know, uh, doing a retreat like the Meta-retreat can really sometimes uh, work beautifully to um, develop that uh, accessibility to the kind heart and to compassion. We can do compassion practices, right? We can uh, do so. So my response is going to be a a mix of inner and outer practices. Because I was talking about the path of service or action as and uh, I think in this tradition, it really becomes a path where we, where we connect inner practices with skillful outer expression, right? And so we have these inner practices that we can do which are going to help uh, beautifully, right? And can strengthen it. I know my doing a lot of metta practice and teaching it, really, it just makes my heart more accessible in the moment. And I also, if I'm feeling stuck, I can go there, right? I can go there more readily. And, of course, the other side of that is we want to be able to, you know, we want to both access the heart, access compassion, but also see what gets in the way of it. So a lot of the practices we do here are very good for helping us to see what gets in the way of it. Attachment to outcome, judgment, a lot of what people mentioned. So we can really, a sense of self, self self-image, all these things. So, our mindfulness practice and our wisdom practice are very, very good for letting us be able to track that and say, oh, there goes, there goes judgment. I'm very hard to be too compassionate when I'm strongly judgmental. <laughs> right? And so that is also a powerful inner practice. So I would say yeah, the inner practice is doing that which helps us to access more fully the compassion, the kindness, the love, and, the, and seeing that which gets in the way. And then uh, outwardly, It seems uh, that there are quite a few things to do. Some of it is just going into the territory where there may be uh, difficulty or pain. The teaching about compassion is that compassion is the natural expression of the open heart when there is difficulty or pain or suffering. In other words, it's not something manufactured. It's not something which we have to try for. It's natural. we, We know that. And, and so, some of what uh, we can do outwardly is simply to, to be willing to go to where they're suffering. Whether it's in uh, the community, in our extended families, even in ourselves. And um, uh, it could be to watch the news. That's an advanced practice, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've thought of doing retreats. You know, I sometimes do these retreats for trainings. Um, and I thought of having us watch the news together during a retreat. Because, but it's like, how do I open myself to what's difficult or painful? Again, at every level. Um, in my family, my community, the larger world. And so, and then, and then um, finding where one wants to act, I think, and seeing are there further skills that would help me. You know, so it might be some of the ones I mentioned. Uh, uh, more skill with speech practice, working with conflict, uh, could be getting a certain set of tools for a particular area. So that that's that's an initial response. And any other additions? Uh, please, yeah, both of you. Not at the same time, though. <laughs> okay.
5: to say, but I love that, because um, watching the news or reading things in the news, because it's like those of us who are sensitive, that would be a really good retreat. Take a couple articles, how to deal with, how to process it, how to relate to it, and not get overwhelmed by reading three or four pages, Yeah, because it's just like what you do, and every day the same. That would be a wonderful retreat. Thank you. Um, It's a brilliant thing. Yeah. Um, What I was going to say is, um, with service with volunteering, that sense of, you know, it's like there will be a break and you walk out with everyone else and being there and someone just turns to you and asks the question they want to ask or they need something or just finding that you're in this wonderful space of, like, being an open flower for people, that's really special.
0: Yeah, beautiful, being an open flower. I'm thinking, I'm wondering, Mariah, do we want to use if we use this? It will actually go on the recording. I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, do you want to use that for the rest? Sure. Yeah, and I've I've repeated things so I think so I, far.
3: I yeah, know you've been fabulous about that.
0: <laughs> uh, please, and I'll. Why don't you say yours and I'll repeat it? Uh, well, in my experience,
3: I I think everyone. Everyone's worn this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I, I believe I do.
5: I
1: think it's working. It's not. Yeah. Do you want to go on and Donald will repeat it and I'll make sure it works for. I think I
0: get my project. So, you can go ahead and I'll just repeat things. Um,
3: So, I'm just observing the. Compassion. <laughs> service. Okay. I I think it's true that everyone born with compassion because of the soul, yeah. Atma, and it's it's the ego that separates. And when a, hu- a human being becomes self-centered, it's very hard to recognize your own compassion. And if you don't recognize <coughs> your own compassion, I'm not going to be able to recognize Virginia's compassion because I might just take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I think what helped me is um, through painful moments, mm-hmm. suffering, because that's a wake-up call, mm-hmm. and it's a lesson, and maybe karma again. And it's also through meditation mm-hmm. that helped me because I, I always let... I bring the devotion when I meditate. I don't meditate when my heart is not open. Mm -hmm. I feel guilty to go to my Buddha and meditate without open heart. Mm -hmm. And that devotion comes and then naturally, not even focusing on that, you let it flow because the compassion happens every second. Someone calls you, someone emails, and it's giving the time and being there present and now someone dropped the key, you say, can I pick up the key for you, you know, in grocery shop. I mean, there's many moments during the day where we can can
0: practice compassion. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, traditionally, in in Buddhist tradition, uh, compassion or karuna is defined as the open heart in contact with pain or difficulty or suffering. And it's actually um, taken to be a capacity which is always there simply the as we train to regain that kind heart it could be there every moment and compassion simply is what appears when we are open with pain so i think one of the points i wanted to bring out from what you said is just we really develop compassion simply when we attend with openness to any kind of pain my own or others as well, and that's developing compassion right there. Yeah.
6: I think there's a way in which we um, been listening to Philip Moffat, but um, I think there's a way in which we bear witness. Mm-hmm. Also, I've I've worked with. Question, yeah. Oh, I've worked with imprisoned women, and oh, yeah. just being there, um, I think, is a way of just holding yeah. them and bearing witness and saying, I'm willing to be here, knowing the conditions under which you arrived here and um, and bearing witness, and in some sense, taking that story or that witnessing out into the greater world mm-hmm. as well. So I think there is a way in which, even in the duties that we do here, there is a way of holding the space and bearing witness.
0: Beautiful, thank you. So you could either respond to that question or, or contribute something else, ask something else.
1: You made me think of um, Again, I have to in- th- th- talk a little bit about my time in El Salvador, but we used to talk about accompaniment. There was We couldn't fix anything. You know, and, uh, the place was a mess. We couldn't fix anything. But it was about being present to what was happening, and that gave hope. And I think about when I'm a volunteer at an event, there are ma- I'm often thinking there are many people who are suffering a lot at these events. You listen to what they say, and you just think, oh, my God. And to be able to sit there and just be mm. with hearing those stories and um, in a humble way. you know. At first, I would think, oh, well, <laughs> I don't have that problem. And then <laughs> as, I, as I showed up more often and listened, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I do. It just doesn't really look like that that way. And then that made me feel like I had more compassion for mm-hmm. the process, too. That when I come and I'm a volunteer and I get to sit, I, I'm, I, I know I'm going to have to listen to it and to be willing to listen to it with accompaniment and presence. And
0: Thank you. Uh, right behind you.
2: I thought what you were talking about in terms of kind of together working on the external manifestation and the internal work was um, really important. And I'd always done a lot of volunteering out in the world, mm-hmm. not at Spirit Rock, around the area of children and just hmm. donate a lot of time. But it was only when I started volunteering here and I help with the family days that, that sense that um, to do it with more intention and to more intentionally hook it up. And I think as soon as I started doing that work got much more interested in doing meta practices, mm-hmm. you know, that and kind of really seeing it as and I think it brings with it when you have that intention and consciousness about doing the two thing, <laughs> pieces of work together yeah. that it really is feels quite different, although now I bring that kind of attention to the other areas that I volunteer in. And so that, I, and I thought the way you talked about that was very
0: helpful. Yeah, that's a nice way to frame it, yeah. One of the uh, interesting things which uh, Adrian said, I thought, was that, um, again, you could see some uh, development. You could see, oh, at first I had these attitudes, and then when I stayed with it, I could see it shifting some. How many have felt like a a shift over time in your own attitudes? Yeah. How many were just very awakened
2: at the (laughs) beginning?
0: (laughs) Didn't need to develop further, just offered yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Please, yeah. Um,
6: So this is a different topic, but I think um, being a parent is constant service, and my daughter has ADHD, and she's a handful and I feel like I'm I'm tired yeah. and I'm not um, the kind of compassion I can find when I'm at the, the food bank in Fairfax you know it's harder for that to arise for me when it's so relentless and I yeah. don't know what I want you to say to me but <laughs> I, I, um,
0: yeah no it's natural you know uh, I was trying to think um, I remember being with a group of people who did essentially service work during the day and we were considering what we wanted to do in a group and, and it became very clear that what they didn't want to do was to talk about service, <laughs> that they needed some other balancing, you know, and that it's natural that you'd be tired, so, you know. Um, I can only really say the obvious, that uh, just to find some ways for further support, renewal. And, uh, you know, I think uh, in most other cultures, I think parents had more support, maybe, you know. Um, This notion of the nuclear family is not sustainable. (laughs) my sense and so you know and there might be more of a a vast web of extended relatives right or others who could help so I think you know I'm I'm not a parent myself but I'm thinking that it could be wonderful to explore like networks of people who support each other I've known people who support other parents so they can do retreats for example things like that you know and I think there's probably a lot of work to be done there
6: I guess Hmm. If I were, you know, truly a bodhisattva and I were awake, wouldn't this be an effortless, you know, just, I would be out of my ego and constantly serving and it would be fine.
0: Well, I see where that's going. <laughs> it's probably...
6: Somewhere impossible.
0: Well, it's probably going in two directions. One is towards something that's impossible and the other one is towards self-judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And um, neither are helpful. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, one, one thing that I've uh, appreciated more is the balance between our own inner work and what we might call external support, community, and so forth. This is not all about, I will do it all myself through willpower, incredible discipline, and achieving the high level of a bodhisattva. And then I will be slightly less tired. Right? It's. Uh, I think that uh, support is very, very crucial. That I think the notion of spiritual practice is, as something that comes primarily from willpower and discipline, doing it myself, especially when we're involved in relationship, that has a little more meaning when one is doing a retreat by oneself, or you know, a hermit in the mountains makes a little more sense there, but when we're involved with other people, it's harder. So I really think uh, somehow having uh, more support, that's where my mind goes. Not easy, but, but uh, that we need some mix of support and then being more as skillful as we can ourselves. But being inspired by the bodhisattvas is good, so I, so I don't mean to dismiss that. Let's take a few more, one or two more, and then we'll, let's uh, go to our snacks. Please, here's one.
4: I find for me, being of service is, and I mean this in a good way, a very unconscious act. Mm. In that I'm not so aware, I'm just totally channeling myself yeah. into what I'm doing. Yeah. And the pleasure that comes from, one, not being so involved in myself, yeah. And too, from just knowing there's a need and figuring out ways to fill it,
0: beautiful, yeah,
4: It's just really satisfying, and yeah. I don't really think about it a whole much more mm-hmm. than that. I just really enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you uh, and do you have a s- sense of presence and?
4: Yeah, you're just you're there, mm-hmm. but it's not like you, I mean you're just aware of what's going on around you and what's needed, and what needs to be done, and doing it. And um, it just feels so uncomplicated in a lot yeah. of ways.
0: that's great. So I don't want to create complications. <laughs> 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 so it sounds like it's just very simple, direct. And of course, in a lot of our service and helping, things do come up that people mentioned. Yeah. Know, and then and then it's helpful to have these various perspectives and tools. But it sounds like in many... Yeah, when
4: it comes up, then I'm aware of it. But you know, I go into it just going, oh, goody. You a, know? Lot,
0: a lot of it is just happening in a, cl- in a clear, easy way. That's beautiful. Yeah. Anyone else? Last word? <coughs> yeah, I find it um You're closer
5: to your mouth.
0: Oh, I find that uh I have too much compassion for <laughs> too many people uh people that are suffering mm-hmm. people being hurt um even for the trees getting cut down, mm-hmm. things like that, and it gets overwhelming hmm sometimes I want to take a break- mm-hmm. but I have no I find i have no or no compassion for those that are doing the hurt mm-hmm. putting the hurt on other people mm mm-hmm. And I, I know that there's some contradiction there that <laughs> I should deal with, but I don't know how to do either one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so really two, two important points. One about uh, how uh, we can sometimes get to a place where it's too much. Yeah, I feel, uh, with what's happening. feel their pain too much. Yeah. Walk around all the time in pain. Yeah. Um, And the other point's about the compassion for those who may be, let's say, causing problems, however we talk about it. Kind of like the Koch brothers or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Let's see. So, I think on the the first one, um, I think it's skillful not to be overwhelmed. Not always possible. Yeah. Not always easy. I think it's skillful if you notice yourself getting into the overwhelm zone to pull back some, which isn't always easy, and sometimes it's not possible. But but to to do that because you like you say, I think we're suggesting you won't be effective if you're in overwhelm, and it, you may be there may be bitterness or reactivity which develops as well from that. Because when you're in overwhelm, you're, you're, uh, you're triggering survival programs in yourself. And, and those are at a, a primitive level of the brain. And then there's not as much wisdom there. And so I think to pull back as best one can, not to take on too much information, which again, is... Hor- and, and to think of yourself as moving towards more capacity to take on more, so it's not like, uh, so because there's some uh, pain, I'm sure, in in the act of pulling back and not being as aware of some problems, let's say. But I think that one has to uh, have uh, a way of being sustainable. Right? And so that's one, one point. And then the uh, compassion for those who are "Quote unquote," causing problems, is is an advanced practice. Mm-hmm. You know, when we teach metta, we talk about metta or compassion. We uh, we we build up to bringing metta to what's called the so-called difficult person, which which is a translation from the original <coughs> language. That if it was translated literally, it would be translated as the enemy. You know, it's kind of difficult person is a California softening. <laughs> but, but you get the idea, so it's, it's possible to build up to where one has compassion. You certainly read people like Gandhi or King, they were working on those, on that perspective. So it's possible, but it's something that one builds towards, and you have to uh, develop it with moderately difficult persons first. Yeah, so that's, that can be an edge of learning. Okay Good so I want to um, want to thank everyone for maybe this uh, coming together to I think ultimately to uh, appreciate and honor honor you. That's really the main motivation but to do so in a way hopefully which can uh, have us get to know other volunteers and to... Uh, uh, maybe bring our thinking about service to further reflection in ways that could, hopefully could be helpful. And lastly, to enjoy a small party together, <laughs> to which we now adjourn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening.